Holy Spirit, <clears throat> I said it for myself, I, I yield myself to you. I ask that you'll be able to use some things that I say to uh, be highlighted by your Holy Spirit and you can bring some truth and some love and some grace and mercy, encouragement and power through this time. I pray for the people here. I pray right now, I pray that you'll meet them. And whatever burdens they have, I pray they can be able to, to trust them to you so they can just listen to you and hear from you. So speak to us in a way that we can understand, a way that helps us understand what you're saying and then to, to, to live it out and to uh, have it go deep inside of us. So we just welcome you into this time. Look forward to what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you know, this church is interesting because I, I love this church. I, I actually... I feel like I've, I've been a part of this church because from the very beginning, uh, this church has been part of our history of our church. We were, in, we were in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, at a Palo Alto vineyard, and we were getting ready to move to St. Louis to plant the church 20 years ago, and one of the churches I called was Rolla, checking out what's all around there. I got a whole Lance Ford, some of you old-timers may even know who Lance was, and, and, we, and Lance just blessed our team, and he was, he was planting in St. Louis, and, and then uh, later on... Uh, got going and connected to Lynn and Wade. They're still close friends. I talk on the phone all the time. Perone, Matt Peroni used to go here, and Heidi and Tim, and, and, and we were very close friends with Matt and Denise. And, and so we've kind of been part of the whole process. Uh, in fact, the whole time, uh, I'm gonna, my, one of my, my two young daughters, this is the age that they were when they, they came to the, the vineyard for the very first time. We flew in from the Palo Alto uh, from, from San Francisco, flew into here. We drove right to Vineyard. Uh, they, the area leader back then wasn't me, it was another person, and they were actually at this church. And so he and Steve Phillips, we, we met with him, and our daughter is up at the, some, at the building that burned, <laughs> whatever that one is. And uh, the, uh, they were down in the kids' area, and my daughter lost, lost her first tooth at this church. So it always has meant a lot to me. Uh, I've always loved Rolla. You know, we were in the Bay Area, which is that sometimes is not really personable as well as, and, and Rolla is so down home and personal. I lo- we miss that so bad because we were originally from the Midwest. And I remember we, the two stories, I might have told this the other time I was here, but the, the, the memories we have about the Rolla Vineyard is we went to, we went to, uh, to get gas and uh, I was looking at like a $3 pair of sunglasses and the lady left the counter and helped me pick them out. And I said, man, we're not, they don't do that in the Bay Area. That's not the service we have for $3 sunglasses. Then we go to Taco Bell, and we say, hey, and they could tell that they have something that we had in, in the Bay Area that you didn't have here. And she goes, we'll make it for you. What do you need? And I thought, Taco Bell, special order. I mean, this is great. So we've always been, we love Rolla. We love this church. We, uh, we, we love the leadership team here. Uh, I've been meeting with them, and I, I, I actually think I like you better than I started. So that's actually a good sign. So it's great having as well. So uh, what's interesting now is our, our girls, that's 20 years ago, our girls now are a little bit older, and this is show you how, how long I've known the vineyard. <laughs> so uh, they've grown up a bit, and they're still around, and, and uh, but, so we've had a lot of history with you guys. Okay, what we're going to do today is we're going to be talking about uh, planning, okay? And not because we're at the New Year, just because it just feels like what we should talk about. And then we're going to be talking about this, this thing of, of, of helping us understand uh, how we, what, what God's plans are, and we're going to go into 1 Peter and get some practical things. I'll give you three things that you uh, can be assured of and positive will be part of the plan that God has for you. So you have some foundation for your plan, for, this, for yourself and for this church. So looking at that slide is who of you are, 
who are wingers? Raise your hand. Winger is a word for those who wing it. All right, wingers, raise your hand. Be, be proud, wingers. I'm a winger. Okay, who's a planner? I mean, really in the planning boat. Now, who's in the middle ground who believes you have more wisdom than anybody because you're really both, right? I mean, everybody was, you're going to fall in one of those categories. You're going to be a planner or a winger, and you, you planners think you wingers are terrible, and you wingers think you planners are crazy. You know, we, but the reality of it, if you really understand who you are, the, the reality of it is, is that uh, you, you really are both, right? You, you, we all have places we decide on, we intuitively decide on, but quite honestly, we all have places that we make plans. Every person makes plans. Let me ask you another question just to get started out here. Is Do you believe that God has a specific plan for your life? Now, I know the church answer. Sure, I do. But I mean, do you really believe that? I mean, a specific plan, unique to you. And... Do you believe, especially if you're a part of this church and been here for a while, do you believe that God has a specific plan for this church? Right? And we say yes, but we, we need to really get a hold of it. He does, right? Now, a plan, sometimes we have a kind of too big a picture of what a plan is. A plan is really is an intention or decision about what one's going to do. That's pretty straightforward. It's just an intention. It's, a, it's seeing where you're going to go, and you begin making choices and having intention towards that. That is your plan. And, and like I said before, actually every one of us is working your plan, even you wingers. You're working your plan. We're designed, because we're made in God's image, and God plans. And guess what? We plan. Uh, it's, it's, it's this place of, and it says that the nature of the, all humans is to plan. We're, we're, we are working and following our plan. You might say, no, no, I'm I wing it. No, that's your plan. Your, your plan is you're not going to plan. No matter what you do, you are always moving towards something to accomplish what you think you should do, right? It's designed in every human. And there's nothing wrong with that. It says in Proverbs that many are the plans in, the, in, in men's hearts. There's many of them, right? You have lots of them, right? It's, it's really just steps towards where you're going. It's just... See, we're, we're wired by God to plan and to accomplish, to build. That, we're wired by that. And you're building something. You're, you're heading to accomplish something, good or bad. You're, you're heading to accomplish something. And you get there by this thing called a plan. Now, in the Bible, it, it talks a lot about plans. Uh, human plans versus God's plans, how you make wise plans, how you make stupid plans, how you make foolish plans, disaster of some plans, success of other plans. It's, especially in Proverbs and Psalms, you see a lot about planning. God is not anti-plan. Right? He, he loves plans. But he, likes, he just likes good plans. <laughs> he doesn't like bad plans. You know? He likes wise plans. He wants the best plan. Right? And what, what I don't want this, I don't want this psalm to be true on my, my deathbed. You know, you've you got, you got a day to live, and you don't want this psalm. In Psalms 146, 4, it says, When their spirit departs, they return to the ground, and on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Now imagine this. You've worked and been working your plan, and you get to the end of your life, and it, all those plans do not continue. They die with you in the ground. That's a bad plan. Now, see, in America, we, we love people who work a plan because, you know, it's hard to work a plan, right? So we, there is an admirable thing about that person who says, I'm going to be a gymnast, and they just 
their whole life, and they become this amazing gymnast, you know? And then they get a commercial, and they, they, they get the Olympic medal, whatever. And so that we think, oh, I love that. Someone who worked, I was just a, I was just a you know, person, didn't have anything, now I'm a famous person. We love this thing. I've worked my plan. I've, I've become, I've diligently done these things. We've worked a plan. We always think that's great, right? I've, be, I've invented this amazing phone. I've invented this amazing, you know, whatever gadget. I've had a Fortune 500 company. I've become famous. I'm rich. We love those things. We have documentaries on them. We, we celebrate those. I understand, though, here's the thing. If those people in their life, that plan does not go with them, it was a really bad plan. <laughs> they wasted their life. And when you understand that, you start to realize, wow, it's kind of important to figure out how, what we do on this plan. In Proverbs, it talks about, in, in this place of, that, in Jeremiah, it talks about what plans God has for us. And you guys know this verse pretty well. You've heard it if you've been around the church at any time because it's so good, but it never gets old. Is I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to pr- prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And in Ephesians it says, Ephesians 3 it says, now to him who is able to do unmeasurably more than all we may, uh, all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Now here's what that shows you. It's really good, his plan that he has for you. And we fear it. We fear it's going to harm us. No, it's going to harm us. It's going to prosper us. And it will go into the future. And it will, it will build this hope where it's, there's something, it'll take you to further along to what's ahead for you. And it's going to, here's the thing, God. You come up with your best plan you think God has for you, it's way better than that. That's pretty amazing. It's more than you could actually come up with, right? So we, we know one thing is we don't know it completely because we, even our best guess is, is short, right? And that's the interesting about, thing about plans is because it kind of gets confusing when you read Psalms and Proverbs because it talks about our plans, his plans, which are they? You know, do we just get rid of all our plans? We have his plans. But what he talks about, he talks about this merging where we seek him and we plan with him and then we begin stepping out in those plans and the somehow he, we start letting his plans prevail over our plans, but we do our best to seek what his plans are. So planning is not wrong. It's really good to plan. But he's the one, in, in Proverbs 6, uh, uh, 16, 9, it says, in their hearts, humans plan the course, but the Lord establishes their steps. That's such a great understanding. We, we're right, we plan what we should plan, but then as we begin moving, the steps look differently. Don't you guys know that about your own life? <laughs> I, have, I have, like, when we planted the church, I wrote these plans out. I, I laugh when I look at them. It, they, it, the past was not what I thought for sure God said. But it was better, right? But I wouldn't have understood that at the time. And that's the understanding about plans, is he desires to seek them, and, and they're much better than ours, but he will not give us a blueprint completely. Have you ever, don't you get, I've, I've been praying for that for a long time. Just give me a detailed blueprint. I'll follow this thing. But he won't do it. Why? Because God will never allow you to find his plans without him and dependency. And as soon as we get the full blueprint, thank you, God, and we move ahead. We miss it, right? He requires it, but he does give us enough to know how to start stepping, but we're always saying, what I want, God, more than my plan, I'm going to keep working my plan. I want you to prevail, and I want you to guide my steps. I want to end up with the plan that you have for me, because I know that's a lot better than what I could possibly come up with, right? And so, understanding that is, you know, for me, it's like, 
we think oftentimes we think of trying to follow God like what we want is, is those assembly guides, right? You know, IKEA assembly guides. You buy the stuff at IKEA, you lay it out, you got the assembly guide, you put together, you got your you got your component, right? It's just not that way. He he won't give us that full blueprint. In fact, what he'll do is he'll get to a spot where this is really this is a good illustration of my plans versus reality. All right, show us that one. The, the my plans versus reality. This is the difference one. All right. That's really how it works, right? I have that top one. This is my idea of how it's going. It is slightly, maybe uphill a little bit, but the reality is not that. You will see the detailed blueprint when you look back, and it will not be what you thought. You can't see it now. And so as you do that, understanding that, you know, and don't you, doesn't this represent real life for you? Unless you're young right now. Some of, some of you are young enough, and you think, no, no, I'm going for the top one. And, and, and then talk to someone old, and you'll find out you can't do the top one. It's the other one. That's life. And doesn't that represent Vineyard Church, <laughs> my church? Doesn't it represent Rolla? I mean, is that, you know, is that the plan? It's, it's like that. And God is this sovereign God who keeps working his plan no matter what and continues it on. And our place is to depend on him and figure out, you know, how we participate in that. So, you know, in thinking all that, is we seek God as a church, we seek God as individuals, and we ask him to show us things, but there's going to be certain things that you cannot, it's not like he's, he is mysterious in certain parts. Certain parts of God is not mysterious at all. He's really clear. And so some things, I can, so I'm going to give you three things for your own personal life and for this church that will be foundation, promise you, will be the foundation of God's plan for you. Something you can say, this will not change today. And I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about that. So let me give you an example of that. You, someone comes to me and says, I want to grow a garden. Right? And I say, okay. You know? and, so what, and so they might have an idea. I want it to be all vegetables. I want it to be fruit and vegetables. I want it to be this way. I want it that way. I want it to be... They start describing it. I say, yeah, this, it could be all those different things. Right? And then they say... So they go down into their basement, which has no windows, and they throw the seeds on the cement, and they leave. Their plan will fail. I guarantee you. Why? Because to grow a garden, you need earth, water, and sunshine. Those are consistent in every plant. So I'm going to give you three things that are central to what you know God is going to do for you and for this church as you plan. And so we're going to start out with this. It's really off this, this understanding of Jesus being the cornerstone. This starts out in Psalms where David... David prophesies about Jesus being this cornerstone that was rejected, but now he's become the cornerstone, right? And it's this marvelous thing. And he's prophesying about Jesus coming. And then we see Jesus coming on the scene. He starts referring to himself as the cornerstone. And then we see uh, Paul talk about him. In Ephesians 2, uh, it talks about, he says, we have access to God through one spirit. Consequently, we're no longer foreigners or strangers, but we're fellow, fellow citizens with God. People who are also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. And him, the whole building is being joined together and rises and becomes a holy temple of God. You know, and he goes, and in him you are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. And he just refers back to the, the verse in Psalms. And then later Peter comes along, and if you have a Bible, this is what we'll probably be sticking on the most, and I'll have a few verses up for this. 
but in, in 1 Peter 2.12, I'm just going to go through it, um, and you can just listen along, or if you have a Bible, you can, you can turn there and go through this, but we're going to go through this text, kind of, and, and I want you when to go through this text, use your imagination, imagine this scene, it's this wild scene that's happening, and, uh, and so, and it starts out with this place where it, it talks about, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. So, you may, so that you may grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, you're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are the living stones that God is building to his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Christ, you offer uh, mediation of Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. And the Scripture says, "I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced." Yes, you who trust in Him recognize what the honor God has given Him. For those whom He rejected, this cornerstone the builders rejected has now become the uh, the, the the stone that the builders have rejected has now become the cornerstone. And it goes on to say, and he the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall, they stumble because they do not obey God's word, and they, are, they meet the, fet, the fate of the one that has been planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, you are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you had received no mercy, now you have received mercy. So here's this, this imagery is kind of wild. It's, imagine these stones, and again, back then we, we have, the, the stones weren't bricks, they were stones, they were cut, and they were all different, slightly different shaped, right? And they're scattering around waiting for this building to be built. Now, in a, in a builder in the time, you, the cornerstone is what everything aligns to. It's the perfect stone. If, you, if the cornerstone's correct, the rest of the building aligns off that stone. It makes the building correct. It's the perfect stone. And so it's saying Jesus is the perfect stone. Again, it's paralleling that we've now in a new covenant that God's temple is us. But not just us individually, us coming together. And so as it's talking about it, here's the stone that many people disregarded and tripped over and kind of got in the way and they ow, cussed out when they, when they stumped all over the stone. That's Jesus. Some people saw him as disregarded. But what he says, no, no, Jesus is living. He's a living stone and he lived and he goes in and he is a cornerstone. And the apostles and the prophets fill him with this foundation with him aligned to him. And then he's building on that. And he's building on it with anybody who trusts in Jesus. And we are living stones. So if you can imagine this kind of wild picture, us living stones. I don't know if you can figure out how you feel. <laughs> it takes a good imagination. But this living stone begins getting attracted to this cornerstone. And it comes into with the other stones, and it places itself to fit. That's what you do as a mason. You fit it in. The builder puts it in there. In its unique spot within the body of Christ, it comes in, and it's aligned with the cornerstone. And the result is this amazing living temple is built and then God comes through it to bring his kindness, and, his, and, and we experience the depths of our salvation through that process. Pretty cool story, right? That's us. It's not, not, some, not just the person sitting next to you. It's you. If you know Jesus, you are a living stone. 
And so as we go through that, what we have to realize is, as it's talking about that, this is really what God is doing. And out of this picture, I just want to lay out three things that we can say, this is going to be part of God's plan for you in your life that you can count on, that you can know for sure, right? To know this is going to be foundational in what, what God is doing, right? Because if you do this, if you follow this plan, you will not end up at the end of your life saying, oh, I put all that effort in the wrong thing. This is central to how your life has to be built. This is helping us understand that, right? And I, it starts out, I think it's important how this, it's kind of interesting way uh, this starts out in, in Peter. It's in verse 15 it says, like newborn babes, we must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation, right? Cry out for his nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. That's kind of an interesting way to start a verse like that. What it's saying, though, is are you longing for something that fills you, that when you're on your last breath, you go, this is, I've, done, I've made the right plan? Have you, you know, are you, cry out for something spiritual. And that's the way it starts out. And so this is what it's saying is this is what you're looking for. <laughs> this is what you want to cry out. And it describes what takes place. And in, in verse 16, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are holy priest. Now, as we look at that, we start out with this thing of we cry out to God and saying, God, I, need, I crave more. I want my life to count. I, I long for your spiritual nourishment. I, got, I want that. And then you have this picture that shows us what, the, what happens. And the first is this, as we lay it on, is, is that the first part of this is God loves, uh, love God above all else. All right? Okay? Love God above all else. If you understand the cornerstone, it's essential. And everything is aligned to that. Everything is submitted to that cornerstone. Let's see if we get this crazy thing turned around here. There you go. My ears deformed. So anyway, uh, the uh, so that's the point is understanding that every stone is aligned to that. So what that means is that's why you see in Scripture over and over again, put God above all else, love God, Lord your God above everything. Don't put anything above Him. If you want your plan to work, that is not optional. <laughs> it, the plan has you have to have everything. You have to have everything submitted to Jesus. You have to be the Always fixing your eyes on Jesus or your plan won't take place. That, that's the way it works. And it, you see in Scripture over and over, everybody tries to work their plan, but they say no. And what, what happens is likely if you're here in this church, you're not somebody who's stumbling over Jesus and saying, I disregard you. Maybe you are, but probably not. You probably think he's an amazing stone, living stone, right? The question is, has he at the cornerstone place? Or is he one of the many important stones of your life? And it can't be just one of the important stones of your life. It has to be everything is centered and focused on that. That's why it's always fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, your foundation. 
So that's the first thing. And as a church and as individuals, now we can say, yes, I've heard that a thousand times if you've been a Christian for a while. But the thing about it, I don't find that be something I just flip a, flip a switch on it stays that way. I'm always like, you realize this, this, this building is being built in a storm because we're not, in, we're not in neutral territory. And I don't know how many times I start getting misaligned and start looking at other stones and, and aligning myself with the stones around me or something off here. I, I, it happens all the time. That's why it says you have to live in a place that your plan is always fixing yourself on your eyes on the foundation or stone, the cornerstone of Jesus. And that is the church as well. The next where you're at a church is that has to be the central part. Is above all else is Jesus. Nothing else. You know, it, it's, no matter what it t- means, we have to say yes to Jesus above all else. Now, next, love and rely on God's family. All right, love and rely on God's family. Now, the first part is really a place of loving God, it's taking us to greater dependency. You know, we we probably know, you probably know if you've been around much, if you know Jesus, you're a child of God, right? And we often think of that, but we still think of it in a human point of view where we grow to independence. Uh, the, The maturity in the kingdom is when you're a child and you become more dependent. So I, I'm, I've been doing this for quite a long time. I've been probably a follower of Jesus for a long time, <laughs> 30, 40 years. So I'm, I'm, I've done this. And I would say the way I can tell if I'm more mature is I'm more of a child. I'm, I'm growing in dependency where I know that unless I fix my eyes on Jesus, I'm not going to do well, unless I keep in that in spot. And so that is dependency. But there's this other thing that God wants us to grow, and this will be true in every one of your plans, the same for this church, is that you rely on God's family. If you give this imagery, you see this place. These stones aren't just going over here and doing their own thing. They're being pulled together and stuck really tight with one another, right? It is not us individual American Christians who carry the Holy Spirit and go around and minister. It's the body of Christ coming together, and that's essential. That's why it says love God, love others, right? It has to be both. We, when we come into this thing, we become a part of the body of Christ, and we cannot say, just like it says in Corinthians, we can't say, to the hand, to the, to, the, to the eye saying, I don't need you. Or the eye to the hand, I don't need you. It's not allowed. We're part of one another. And sometimes that's difficult, isn't it? To realize that's not optional. I don't know about you. I've been in the church a long time, and there's lots of times I want to cut my heart off from people. I, I, don't, I don't want to get closer and closer and closer. I don't want to become greater. I don't want to become more and more interdependent. But there's no choice. If your plan is going to be God's plan, you can expect to go towards dependency and interdependence. And that will feed your soul. It won't steal from you. It'll be, it'll, you'll get that prayer at the very beginning starts happening. You start having nourishment of God coming into those two things. But then there's a third thing that talks about, which is very obvious. And that is that we are priests. <laughs> We're a holy priesthood. We're so understand that the plan that God has for your life and for this church is we go to greater and greater degrees of reaching the world and ministering to people around us. You know, we can't huddle and God wants to take us to the world. He wants to take us to one another and minister. He wants us to know to greater and greater degrees that God will come through us, that we are truly God's and we are dwelt, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, right? And as you look at these things, 
when you have those things, and, and, get, and, and that spot of, of realizing that is that you just, what that really means, and it, we kind of, sometimes we talk about ministry, we put it in a category sometimes, like pray for this person, share your testimony. Ministry is just obedience. I mean, it, it, ministry comes out of that, but really I, I'd say ministry slash obedience because God is always going to be asking you and you have to respond to him. And maturity is that you respond quicker. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I still put him off. You're like, you know, think about that, God. <laughs> Give me a couple weeks. <laughs> a year later, I should think about that some more. So I know we don't all do that, but growth is that you respond quicker and you, do, you take orders. And you pray for people, your family and the, your co-workers and the people in the church, you, and you become respondent to him, right, by the Holy Spirit. You understand that you truly are who God comes through. You're not plan B, you're plan A. This is how he works on the earth, all right? Now, so in saying all that, these three things, you know, you guys have been through a lot, right? Uh, God's doing good stuff. I, I, I can feel God's presence here. I, I feel God working in this room. I, I, I'm excited for what's ahead, right? But you, these have to be your anchors. Greater dependency on God above all else. Loving others and, be, and being, going towards each other, not apart, not saying distant, even though that's risky. And that will feed your soul, but also ministry will feed your soul. When Jesus was in John 4, he says, oh, this, is, this fills my soul because I do the will of the Father. It didn't drain him. Ministry doesn't drain you. <laughs> it fills you, right? And not that it's not hard, but it's fulfilling. And so what I encourage you as a church and as individuals is realize this is the part of the plan. Now, the rest, it's a mystery. I'm not sure exactly where it's all going to look like. I, I, by Scripture, I know it's not going to quite look like I think it's, but I know it's going to be better if you keep doing these foundational things. If you stay with this, God will build his house. He'll build the things he wants in your life, right? And it gets that spot of, I mean, imagine 2018's done. You're just about Christmas time, and you find out you got five days to live. I'm kind of morbid like this because it makes you think, right? I should, I should wait till after Christmas. It's after Christmas because that way it won't make you so sad. We have, it's after Christmas, and you just have a few days to live, you know? You're going to die before the end of the year. Now, this is the thing. <laughs> when you look back on 2018, you think, man, I'm so glad I invested in that. I'm so glad I poured myself into that. If you don't, it wasn't a good plan, right? So, you know, don't keep it real. Let's just take a year at a time. What do you want to have for 2018 for you, for this church? It's going to happen by you. These three things just becoming central in how you live. All right? That makes sense? And when you do, the plan, when you look back, you go, man, that's better than I could expect it. I promise you that will happen. It's crazier than I expected. It wasn't what I expected all the way, but it's better than I expected. 